This is Graphically Novel, a podcast by three brothers who like each other, but love comic books. I'm Jamie. I'm Sam. I'm Josh. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing Sam's pick. Sam, preview it for us. Preview. I'm going to break it down. Defend it. Defend it. Let's set the mood. 1980s Transformers. No, it, Close your ass. <laughs> Picture a scene. Picture this. It's a Transformers <laughs> All Hell Megatron Volume One, and uh, you know I've always been a Transformers fan, and like I said last week, it's just been a huge part of my childhood, and I've always been on lookout for what I thought was a retro book going straight comic, like from the cartoons, and I feel like this is one of them, and it's really the only reason I picked it. Plus, I make Josh read Transformers. He likes the weird stuff. Did you ever even watch the Transformers with us, Josh? Or were you too young for that? Uh, I'm sure I watched it. Do I remember watching it? No. We watched it a lot. Yeah, that was one of our favorites. Yeah, mine too. And like I said, that's that's the reason I picked this. There's, and I feel like this is a good one for the show. Uh, <clears throat> could be wrong. This is my black camera, I feel like. <laughs> we, we shall see. Let's get, it's time for the live action Batman grades. And... Uh, beginning from best to worst, it is Bell, Affleck, Keaton, West, Kilmer, and Clooney. And Josh, uh, you have no nostalgia for this, apparently. Uh, <laughs> what's your what's your mo- most favorite objective grade? Uh, best I can do, Affleck minus. What? I went Way better than anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was fun. Uh, I, I thought Keaton, but I think it was worthy of a of a lower level Affleck. All right. Well, um, so I, I expected you to be the most objective of, among us because you, know, you didn't watch, uh, or were too young to really have the the cartoon be a, be a major, you know, portion of the, your life there. Um, I was the I was the oldest, and I think I was the most solidly in the target demographic for the cartoon. Um, but it didn't save this book. Uh, I'm going Keaton, middle of the road Keaton on this. Um, it was fun. I had some interesting bits, um, but I think they made a lot of mistakes in how they approached this thing. Um, I, did, I do think they did a, a good job, like capturing the feel of the cartoon and kind of growing it up a little bit. Yep. But I, th- but I think there's just um, we'll have to get into it when we get to the pyramid. I've, I've got some major problems with how they set about doing this big event book, so we'll, we'll have to get into it then. Okay. Sam. Well, it's my turn, and I'm totally biased. It is my pick. <laughs> Great inflation. Great inflation to the max. <laughs> L plus. No, I didn't give it a bell plus. I, bell, I, I did give it a bell minus to like a high athletic plus. So final score is bell minus is what I would go. There is some stuff with it, but just for the nostalgia feel, the way it's drawn and all that stuff, man, it's, it really just hit the marks for me. So we'll get into it. I think it found your seat, sweet spot and just parked itself. It did. It really did. So, you know, I, I'm just going straight bell. There's not even a bell minus. <laughs> Talk me into it. It's a bell for me. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, well, we'll get into it more. Um, Great. I, I've, I've, I've got real problems with a couple of things they did when they put this thing in motion, and we're just going to have to talk about it. Um, uh, so it's time for the creator credits now. And so our story is by Shane McCarthy. Art is by, man, uh, Guido Guidi. Sounds cool. Um, I think that was right. I think that's how he says it, probably. 
Okay. Anyway, and Casey Collar, uh, he did just a couple pages, uh, 93 through 96 at the end. And then Colors are by Josh Bertram, letters by Chris Mowry and Neil Uetake. Uh, you would you I don't know. It's U Y E T A K E. Sorry, yeah. guy. Sorry, Neil. Uh, you just you did some fine work here. I butchered your name and I apologize. Um, <laughs> all right. So we get we gave this thing a, a, a solid recommendation. It's okay. All all the grades were above the above the you know the the negative zone there. Um, <laughs> some very contrasting grades. So we we'll have to get into it. But yes. So all you're really getting before the klaxon is the recommendation. Um, if you want the details, you have to stay past the spoiler klaxon. And now it's time for the bite-size breakdown. I'm going to break down the story, not my voice. Listeners, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. All right. Uh, Josh, you've got chapter one. Go. All right. Chapter one. Our story opens one year after the Transformers landed on Earth and started battling in secret. The Decepticons have won and reveal themselves in Times Square and then immediately start killing all the humans. The Air Force tries to take out the Decepticons but have no luck. We then flash to Cybertron where we see some Autobots arrive. Okay. Uh, chapter two. Um, Colonel Whitwicky is called away from a torturous picnic to deal with the crisis. Meanwhile, the Decepticons continue to destroy New York. A few survivors are beginning to gather, though. In Central Park, the army attempts to stage a comeback, but Frenzy wipes them out single-handedly. Then the Decepticons take a page out of Bane's playbook and start taking out all the exits from the city. So, issue three begins with a Decepticon train rolling into a subway station where the people are trying to hide. He pulls the station down and kills everybody. The Decepticons have defeated the military in New York and Washington, D.C., and now we're going to start construction. Starscream and Megatron have an interesting conversation with praise for Starscream from Megatron. A train rolls into a subway station where people are hiding and then pulls it down on, on, the, pe- on the people. That's how that one ended. It began and ended the same way. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, you don't want to hang out in a train station, apparently. <laughs> Not one of the Decepticons are in town. So issue four opens with Megatron doing the supervillain monologue thing while the Autobots are infighting on Cybertron. They're looking for Energon to keep Optimus alive but can't find any. We then find that some more Autobots have crash-landed on Cybertron and think Jazz and crew are there to rescue them. Uh, So chapter five begins weirdly. It jumps back a little bit. Um, it's not clear that it's a flashback, though. So I wrote it like it's not a flashback. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, an Autobot ship is lured into a trap and crash lands on Cybertron. They link up with the group led by Jazz. They do a whole bunch of macho posturing until they finally have a conversation where we learn that Megatron has the Matrix. Back on Earth, Colonel Whitwicky sends his son and his team to their certain doom. But the kid manages to survive the attack. Yeah, so, uh, Chapter 6. Jazz and Cup try to decide what to do next for the Autobots and how they can save Optimus Prime. Megatron and the rest of the Decepticons are taking over key cities around the world. There is internal struggle with the Decepticons, and they are starting to attack each other. Megatron and Starscream are in a conversation about the future, and Starscream is questioning Megatron's tactics. The world leaders agree to use 
the bomb on New York and try to kill the Decepticons. Uh, I worked really hard uh, on breakdowns this week, trying to actually get <laughs> smaller. <laughs> nah, you're I, good. I, I think they were all solid this week. Um, all right, so it's time for the graphically novel pyramid, and this is the part of the show where. Um, we dig sort of deeply into the book and we look for the three elements that we believe are necessary for a graphic novel to be a good graphic novel. And the first of these is story. And Josh, why don't you lead us off on story? All right. Uh, I like the story. I thought it was solid. Uh, and I like the story concept of the Decepticons being victorious. Because I mean, it, it's so often the good guys always win. Uh, so I thought having the Decepticons take over Earth and, and start murdering everybody <laughs> was a different twist on Transformers. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, and then I think the uh, author, what was his name, Shane, Shane McCarthy. Shane McCarthy. Uh, I thought he did a pretty good job balancing the different story threads. I mean, we've got the Megatron, Starscream. We've got Witwicky and the human aspect of it. And then we've got what's going on on Cybertron. So I felt like the flow wasn't interrupted. Because I think sometimes doing three story threads in one volume can be a little – it's easy to lose track of where you're at. Yeah. Uh, and I thought he done pretty good with it. Uh, so I, I thought it was pretty solid for the story. I, I agree. I, I really enjoyed the story. And that, that was one of the things that I liked most about the story was the, the different take, how you see it from Megatron's and uh, Starscream's side and their inner conflict they're having with each other and all that stuff. So it, it gave some insight, I thought, to what was actually happening. Okay, this is where all of my problems are. <laughs> I figured it was. They did change of, some. <clears throat> okay, so after the first like five pages, they've taken over New York, Washington, D.C., and Israel. Nothing happens for the next five and a half issues, except they stand around and talk and posture and like set up like stuff they're going to do in the future. And occasionally the Septicon will go like wreck something in New York City that they've already taken over. I mean, nothing happens. I mean, it's, it's. I mean, it's still interesting. It holds my attention. It's just they don't advance the plot at all. They were trying. I think they were trying to give a lot of backfiller on this one. They were trying. To, they were setting it up for the future volumes. I think. On, well, on they the failed. I mean, they failed. I mean, like, yeah. I. They would. I mean, I don't know the name of the uh, Autobot that had the lug nut cigar. That's they cup. never say his name. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. Yes, they like do. Cooper Cup. It's cup. cup. I yeah. didn't know that was that guy. It's not said yeah. when he's on the page, though. It said like a yeah. different page. I can figure out who, which name that belonged to. Yeah. Um, they never say Bumblebee's name. It's just you're just supposed to. Know, they they assume you know everything about the Transformers. They just assume a whole bunch of stuff. I haven't looked at this. It's not like 1986. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't remember all kinds of stuff. I, I was going to bring that up in the character section yeah. <laughs> as a, as a um, relative newcomer to the Transformers world. Yeah, they, there's a lot that seems to be just taken for granted. Oh, well, you already know this. Uh, yeah. What's the whole setup of the story? Like, um, it feels like this is a sequel to a, an earlier event. And we just start being stream. Like, we don't they don't explain, like, how the Autobots were suddenly weakened. Um, and what and how the Decepticons got the upper hand. I know they got the Matrix, but apparently you're probably winning the war already if you can, you know, just go grab the Matrix from the center of Cybertron, you know? Um, so we don't know anything about what's going on. Why are all the Autobots in hiding the way they are? I mean, there's so much we're just supposed to know from having read previous issues that they don't take any time to explain. See, and that's that's one of the reasons, because this is not to do with this story at all, but this is a 
Transformers as a whole in the comics. That's how all of them are done. Because remember, I, I, we talked about it before. I've struggled to find one for the show. Yeah. And they're all like that. They're worse. This is the best one of the run that I could find that like linked into what I already knew. Because like I was reading some of the other ones, and you really have to follow the Transformers yeah. storyline from beginning to end on all of them. And well, I, I mean, just point out of the middle. So it, it's, yeah. it's I don't know if it's totally this book's fault, but it's just how the whole thing's run. Yeah. Well, then it should be like Transformers number 37 through 43, not Auto Megatron number one. I yeah, mean, I, it's tough. And that is tough. And that's really, I struggle with that on all the Transformers stuff I've ever looked at. It's just it's just how they do it for some reason. Well, I mean, if, if I didn't have a little bit of residual information somewhere, you know, banging around the back of my head from watching all these cartoons, I mean, I mean, I would, I would, it would have been even more of a struggle. Yeah. Well, see, I, I think it didn't ding migrate as much as uh, yours jamie because we read so much stuff that you guys are familiar with that i'm not that i've just gotten to the point where i'm like oh if you're <laughs> supposed to know that i don't you know i'm, I'm sure most people it. do i'm just it's whatever <laughs> so i've gotten to where i kind of just look over that kind of stuff uh but I, I thought the other uh parts with uh colonel witwicky and the army and then a little bit what's going on in the Autobot, i think it carried the story yeah the, the decepticons weren't doing a whole lot except you know talking to each other but there was other stuff going on. There was other action going on. Uh, so it, it didn't feel like it drug it down too much. Like it wasn't just it five issues of dialogue. I mean, there was still stuff happening. But the main yeah. plot is the Decepticons are taking over the world. And you're right. After issue one, they've done that. And, they're, they, and the main Megatron storyline doesn't really change. Well, I see, well, I side, that, side plots. By the end of right issue down. one, they've even closed off all the exits. I mean, it's over. <laughs> they didn't close them off till issue three. That was in mine. That's when they started closing off the the things. The train, the substation. So the, bri the bridges, they blew up the bridges though by the end of issue one. Yeah, they were I still mean, working. I mean, they, they still had stuff. They were still doing stuff. They actually didn't completely take over. It's not a until, lot of plot movement though. <laughs> it's really not. You said, Jamie, There's you sound like you're in a Star Screams camp where he's like, "What are we doing?" And Megatron's, yeah. you know, like, "Enjoy it. Take a break. We've been battling for thousands of years. Let's four million years. Take a breather." Yeah. Star Screams like, "What are we doing?" But I, I do want to give him some credit. One of the things I did like about this is, I mean, they we kind of start midstream, but it does feel like we're setting up a bigger story. But it, but it doesn't feel like we're telling a story here. It feels like we're getting like we're getting ready to set up like a risk board. Or remember, remember the Hero Quest when we were kids. Yeah, it took like longer to set up the board it did to actually play the game, <laughs> and it kind of feels like that. Like we're take we're okay. We're, we need we need the you know Decepticons have taken over Earth, being this place. We up to do this crazy assault. We need the Autobots to be super desperate, but with a plan now. So we're setting up the board. It feels like Volume Two is when like the actual story starts. But we got the board set up for a really good story. We just didn't tell that story yet. And you're not wrong. Volume yeah. Two is yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and just so everybody knows, I read them all. But I did, I did have a good time. I did enjoy it, and I probably will read Volume Two. But if if we're still sitting at the board in Volume Two, then I really <laughs> I'm <can>. out. <laughs> but uh, we'll get into it later. We'll do that show. But anyway, so uh, anything else I did enjoy the story. No, I, I enjoyed the story. How it was told from the villain side, from Decepticon side, just as a different take on it. That's what I enjoyed about it more than anything. I I, I feel like with just a little bit of work. Um, a little bit more, like maybe some extra, just some caption boxes, explaining a little bit more stuff, um, or maybe some catch-up pages, in the, you know, before the first issue or something. I don't, yeah. A little bit more to help me, I could have enjoyed it more. But I, I did enjoy the story. I, I mean, I, I wasn't bored. 
I wasn't like annoyed. I never threw my tablet or anything like that. I mean, but I do, I do feel like that's where the biggest flaws are. Um, all right. All right. So the next section is the art. Um, and I get to go first on that. Um, I like the way it evoked the cartoon, but I'm 100% sure they improved upon it because I remember Transformers being like amazing looking, but it was also like 1984 animation. So it probably wasn't, mm. uh, but it kind of, it has the feel of the cartoon, but I know it's improved. I know it captures the vibe, but it, it grows it up. And it's not just like the Decepticons are now murdering <laughs> masses of people. It does feel like a more mature art style in, in addition to the storytelling. Um, but I, I do have problems here, too, though. The action art, man, there were times I couldn't tell what was happening. And I know yeah, I know I know there's I know I know there's stuff they're doing to try to make the, the scale of the Transformers look, you know, massive. So they're zoomed in too tight sometimes. So look how look how huge they are, you know. But it's also like that makes it real unclear, guys. And they did the thing where you where you move the camera angle lower, so you're always looking up to make them look even more massive. But I, but that that got really distracting to me. I feel like it made things look confusing. Like it made sometimes the action would look off because we were at that weird camera angle the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had I had a lot of problems with the art, um, with the, with the action art especially. I thought weirdly the face art on the robots was good. Yeah, and the face the art on the humans was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that's a thing, but that's, that's yeah. the way I felt. Like, man, when it was time for the Decepticons to be smug and smirk, man, their smirk game was strong. Um, Starscream especially, man. Yeah, but like the, the humans always just look goofy. I mean, nonstop. If you've got actual skin on your face that should move, and it, like unlike the metal of the robot's face apparently does move, they just all look goofy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, 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 but I did enjoy it. I, I mean, I, they look so cool. I mean, I know, look. I know an old man like me shouldn't think it, man. The Transformers look cool, and they, and they captured the coolness of them. But I did, I did have some problems here too. I think they done a really good, like I said, it's just that retro feel. They, they really captured it, and it really brought me back to my childhood. I, I love the art, and you're right. Some of the action stuff is extremely hard to follow, especially like when they're a million planes in the air flying and explosions and stuff. I'm like, I don't know what's happening here, but it's cool to look at, you know? So, but, and then like sometimes there's explosions, Megatron standing there. It's like, I don't know exactly what happened, but something blowed up. But yeah, so, but for an overall feel, I think the color, the, the art, just everything, they, they really captured it. I think they done an amazing job. So uh, no downers for me. Yeah. Josh. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of in between you two. I, I thought it was good. I mean, it does. It looks like an 80s Transformers cartoon. They they totally captured what that was. Uh, and like you, Jamie, I thought they'd done a pretty good job of updating it and modernizing it so it didn't feel like we were reading a 40-year-old comic. I mean, it felt felt modern. Uh, and uh, the faces were good. Uh, I didn't the, – the human faces didn't bother me as much as they did you, apparently. I mean, there was some that were off. Uh, but I, I thought they were solid. We saw worse <laughs> Every- faces single panel with Colonel Witwicky. That dude had a weird look on his face. <laughs> Maybe he's he's a weird-looking guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyways, no, I thought it was good. Uh, I will say, once we got to Cybertron and there were all those Autobots, I got lost on who was red Autobots. <laughs> I don't know who's talking. One of them's Ironhide, I think. The other one was... I didn't know Cliff what was Jumper. going on. Yeah. yeah. And, and there was like three yellow ones. I think one of them... <laughs> like you said, Jamie, they never said Bumblebee's name. Uh, one of them was like sun something or white something i don't know sun streaker sun streaker like yeah something i don't know so, 
So I got lost on Cybertron. I'm not going to lie to you. There was a lot of stuff going on. Some of them were fighting. I didn't know who was mad at who because they all looked so much alike. Uh, so I, I think, I know you can only make robot faces look so different, but I think we could have done maybe different, more colors instead of just red, silver, and yellow. That was like the three Autobot colors. Uh, but yeah, I think overall it was good. The action was hard to follow. Uh, and I think Megatron, I think they captured Megatron with yeah. that giant arm cannon. I mean, that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. He said, Sam, you see Megatron standing in front of a giant fireball. You don't know what happened. I'm pretty sure he launched that cannon. I mean, yeah. it was... <laughs> <laughs> his cannon always shot purple. So if you see like a big red explosion, you're not sure what he shot. But yeah, I love that they didn't do the goofiest thing from the cartoon. Turn him into a he, he transforms into a tiny pistol that Starscream shoots. Yeah, I mean, that's so strange. It doesn't make I mean, I don't have a degree in physics. I know that's bad. (laughs) That's not how math works. And why do you let your mutinous subordinate hold you and shoot you? I mean, it's so but they don't do that at all. No, just, they don't. He just okay. is a walking cannon. And, yeah. and he, lo- he looked way cooler than he in the cartoon. Yeah, I, I thought Megatron was probably the, the best art they did. He, he always looked super cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think all the Decepticons are really good, honestly. I, I think the Decepticons were better than Autobots, and they probably should be because this seems to be the focus of this, especially this, this first volume. But the, yeah, this is, you know, all hail Megatron. He should look the coolest. <laughs> yeah. It seems to look cool when you're winning. Uh, yeah. Nope. Nothing yeah. wrong with winning. <laughs> all right. All right. Anything else on art, guys? No. Nope. All right. So characters. Uh, Sam, what you got? All right. So for characters, I'll go back to it again. I, I like Megatron, Starscream. I like how they their interactions with each other, how Megatron's got this underlying thing he's trying to do, and Starscream's kind of smart to it, but they're not really saying to each other what they're thinking. So I like their interplay. They're having a conversation, but they're actually having hidden means within their conversation. So it's kind of got layers to it on that. And then, I mean, there is a bunch a bunch of characters in this thing from all the decepticons to all the autobots and then everybody in between all the humans so there was a bunch to follow and i think that was or not follow yeah or not follow or not not (laughs) if you try to follow humans they all die so i wouldn't get too attached to anybody just putting that out there (laughs) i was really surprised when the pilot died i thought Mm. oh that's gonna be the man on the inside leading the rebellion like nope he's dead later yeah, get down the subway station. <laughs> yeah, so, I, but, you know, I didn't, like I said, it's, I, I enjoy seeing it from the villain side because then you get a different take from it, what they're actually, their interactions and their motives and stuff. And I, I think their characterization gave them a good feel for that. I think they done a really good job with that. I almost agree with you. Um, I, I think you started off well and then we stopped agreeing at some point. Um, I, I felt like the interactions between Megatron and Starscream were really good. I think um, so. That, that, the, all the character stuff between them was really interesting. Um, probably the only, like, other than, like, <laughs> most horrible train station scenes. Yeah. The only real tension in the book was when those two were having their discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there were any other characters in the book. No, the, the other Seekers, when they was uh, talking to the insects, they, they were having their... Uh... Their little feud, their inner quabble, I guess. And then you have Jazz and Cup, and their little thing. And I liked that you actually got to see a different side to Jazz. I mean, there's, a, I mean, there was a little bit, but like, I no, mean, there just wasn't much. a lot I mean, it's going nothing. on. It was, yeah, yeah. It was mostly like, well, then, and, none, and none of the humans were. At, none like, of they're, humans. Yeah. they're all just cardboard cutouts. I mean, yeah. 
These are people who are going to die soon. Yeah, we don't care. Don't, <laughs> don't get, get a text. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think you're both right. I think Megatron felt like a super villain, and Starscream felt like a different type of villain. I think it's easy to kind of just get the bad Decepticons. They're all the same. They just have different names and different looks. Uh, these felt like different types of villains. Uh, so I, I did. I thought that was really good. Uh, and then the other, there were other character moments that you pointed out, Sam, that I think were character moments, but it felt like it was more to move the plot or to set up the world than it was the characters themselves. Yep. So like the infighting Bingo. between the, the Seekers and the Insects, that's not for the characters. <laughs> that's not for them to develop, but that's to kind of set the world up and how, how stuff, I think that was more for down the road stuff. It is down the uh, road, but... It, it, I won't jump in just for a second. That the one seeker had that fallen out with the the insect. Mm-hmm. He was feeling like left out, uh, indifferent, all that stuff, and he was just striking out at, at his own people because he he was feeling like they were turning against him. Right, like Starscream so I think it, wasn't giving him attention. Yeah, his attention, yeah. But so. again, see, I feel like if we never saw that Decepticon again, I would never know. I don't know who he was. I don't know his name. So I felt like that moment wasn't for him. That was to really set up how Starscream is mm, going you. to develop later on. So yeah, I, I, I think it was a slippery slope of having so many characters to set the world lost a lot of those characters. Yeah, there was a lot of people, but I, I don't know half their names now. I can't remember who done what except for, you know, like three or four of the main people. They didn't even say their names. Yeah, no, I mean, they they, I mean, we didn't get the names for most of them. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, I yeah. would have settled for an old school like team pose with like with their name and their power set underneath them, like in the night, like you see in the nineties all the time. Yeah. I would have been <laughs> happy been to cool. have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, I, I know all their characters. I, I'm sure I like Transformers, unfortunately, but, or or fortunately. But, yeah, I, I think they made. Megatron and Starscream, the main characters, and they should because this is a Megatron story. And I felt like the character work we got from them saved this part of the pyramid because other than that, yeah, it was kind of <laughs> kind of weak on character stuff. There was a it, bunch it in was. there, but there wasn't a lot going on with them. Well, I, I think, I mean, if I'm just guessing, it felt like they were setting up like um, a leadership sort of tension between Megatron and Starscream and one on the other side between Cigarbot and... Uh, jazz and and, and those were going to contrast as the story goes along but they spent they didn't spend a whole lot of time with the audible side so anyway you want to give us some words let's do it all right um i know i said it real negative i did have a good time with the story i did give it a keaton um but i just had a lot of problems um anyway best cover josh what's your best cover bro oh god hold on i wasn't ready you didn't do the sounder (laughs) i did forget the sounder you did. Uh, like right. uh, hold on. I didn't even have the comic pulled up. All right. uh, cover two, um, page 139. I think that was the one with uh, Megatron in the green. It looked like an old yeah, green. Nazi propaganda Nazi. Yep. type thing. Little, little on the nose. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Uh, yeah, I just I think it, the focus on on Dominions <laughs> where he's taking over the humans and then he's got this giant arm cannon. I, I thought it was cool. Yeah, it is. It is a cool cover. Um, I went with uh, not one of those themed ones. I went with page one forty four. Hey, um, those are alternates, right? I believe so. It doesn't say to what. I picked one of each. Issues. Okay, I just thought I they were one. There was six alternates, so I, you did pick an alternate one forty four. Okay, I think that's well, alternate that, for one. Well, then of the main covers, I like the very first one. Um, 
uh, for issue one on page 138. Yeah. Okay. I feel like they agree with me because that's the cover of the collection, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I agree because I, I had two issues down. And if somebody didn't say one of my two, I was going to have a hard time. But since you said issue one, I like it, too. But option, which is issue three. I like Starscream's down top the Septicon flag over top of the city. I thought that was pretty cool. Issue yeah, those were all cool. Yeah. yeah. Except I didn't, I didn't like issue six that much. Um, it, I feel like it was just a little too plain. There's not a lot. I mean, there's. A, I mean, around the around the edge where like the Insecticons are coming out, there's a lot going mm-hmm. on. But like the rest of the cover, there's just not much there. No. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what's your best alternate, Josh? Uh, the alternate for what I'm assuming was issue one on page 144. Yeah, that's because it's the right answer. That is the, that is a really good one. And yeah. I want the different one. It's the Smirk and Starscream on the very next page with Megatron standing behind me. It's a good one. All I the like covers are cool. Yeah. Except the weird one where, he, where Megatron's holding the camera. I just I didn't like that one very much. It was just it's a strange you know image. That is? That's that's from Soundwave. It's one of his I, cassettes. I know. I don't like it. Okay. I just let you know it's what it was. I'm, I think on a side note, I'm glad you brought the cassette up. I'm glad they still have cassettes in there. That was a straight <laughs> '80s flashback. I mean, yeah. it's the most advanced robotic, you know, <laughs> species in the world, and they're still using cassettes. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, they don't even try to justify it. Um, no, no explanations. They just say it's randomly, which means that they don't expect anybody under thirty-five to be reading this story. <laughs> <laughs> like they'll get it, uh, or they won't. It'll be okay, um, or they just won't be reading it. Um, so, uh, best character is uh, Starscream. Um, I think he's doing. I mean, all the little interesting. Which this is not the Starscream. Starscream from the comic book whatsoever. It is not. That dude yeah. just whined and tried to like complain about not being in power. I could do a better job. I mean, that was all he did. Yeah. Here he's really smart and interesting. He's scheming. Um, he's suddenly philosophizing about things. I'm like, yeah. who are you? How did you get into this story? Um, but I tell he was always kind of lingering in the background. And he was never where he was supposed to be. I, I, that that little detail too was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Star Scream is my base character. And I agree one hundred percent with everything you just said. And I, I did like Star Scream. He is my favorite character in this one. And he is scheming, and he's seeing the hidden stuff behind what Megatron's doing, and seeing the secret re- reasons. So I agree. And uh, you're Josh, right. It's not the same person. Star Scream. <laughs> yeah. He's the most different from the from the comic I like this version of Starscream, though. I yeah. think they're really setting the tension up. Because uh, I think Megatron's completely onto Starscream. Like, when he's being in different places, I don't think Tron's really surprised by that. I think he's 100% knows what's going on. I think there's going to be a showdown, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, that's, part of, that's the main reason I'm reading Volume 2. To see how that how that plays out. Uh, Sam, what's your best panel? Yeah, best panel. Oh man, I think I got the wrong answer. Can't really write that down. Page twenty five, and it is panel five. It's the crazy Megatron face with an explosion behind him. <laughs> yeah, he looks uh, not entirely sane in that yeah. in that image. It's not yeah. terrible though. I almost picked the one right before it, the one where he's walking from the fire, but I like the zoom in on his face. We get to see yeah. his evil craziness. 
I mean, it does look like a scene from a Michael Bay directed Transformers movie. I mean, yeah. A couple of those. So it, it would fit in. All right. Uh, Josh? All right. Uh, I didn't pick a full page spread, but I picked a page that has two panels that combine to make an awesome image. So we're going to go to page 15, <laughs> panels one and two. That's oh, where Megatron's boy. blowing that building up. It's when he turns around and just launches it's, that big arm cannon. And yeah, yeah. it's awesome. And he's walking away as the building's collapsing. I thought that was pretty cool. All right. Um, well, uh, Josh, we're, we're slowly ratcheting things up. I'm going to the full page spread on page 49. <laughs> Sam went with an actual panel. You with half a page. I went with the whole. Panel. I always with the actual panel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just I thought the constructor. Con- I think was this is one of the few times when they got they did a good job of showing the scale right. Mm-hmm. So the the constructor con looks really big. He looks actually big, um, not just like zoomed in real close up. He looks really big, and it looks cool the way he's punching into the waves. I just I, it's a, I mean it's not like the most like story important page in the book at all not even close uh, it's just to me it was like the coolest looking page mm-hmm. i don't have a great answer i just thought it looked cool yeah. the tunnels all right uh best dialogue uh josh all right we're gonna go over to page 14 it's right before nope. my best panel no nope. it's wrong answer. Uh, let me get no, it's, it's a good one no, i don't i know this one. I <laughs> you just read the first 15 pages is what you're telling us right <laughs> maybe <laughs> Uh, so uh, Megatron shows up on the front lines and Starscream talks to him. He says, it's not often we see you on the front line so early. As you can see, our plan is working perfectly. The destruction of this, Megatron inter- interrupts with destruction. He's like, as always, Starscream, you talk big uh, when everything about you is so small. And I just thought Megatron come in, putting him in his place, blew a building up, and just walked off the scene. <laughs> yeah, just Megatron being Megatron. I thought it really kind of set the tone for their relationship. All right. Um, well, I'm going to the other end of the book and continuing that conversation. Because um, they kind of, I think it was like three different times they get together and mm-hmm. Starscream like suddenly threatens mutiny. Um, but so it's, so it's that whole conversation, but it's especially those last uh, couple of panels. And um, page, guided view is not cooperating on page 133. Yeah. And so he's talking about the whole thing. I mean, he's subtly implying like, hey, I, I get that you're this is all just a cover up. You're trying to keep everybody busy so they don't notice there's nothing left to do. When they start a mutiny. Um, and so so Starscream says you're stalling. We've beaten the only real threat we've, we've ever faced. I can see what's coming. So can you. Who will it be? Scourge and. He says, who would have thought the worst move you could have made would be to win? To win, yep. Yeah. It was like, so it's like saying, like, it's a matter of time. Somebody's rising up against you. Mm-hmm. And I, I, do, I do think I do get a kick out of they pointed at somebody else. I'm like, no, it ain't going to be Scourge, bro. Yeah. It's you. It's you. <laughs> well, yeah. well, and I see, and that drew a parallel with the Autobots because Jazz has them out looking for Energon. He knows there's none there. He's just trying to keep them busy so they don't fighting and pointing fingers at everybody so he's doing basically the same thing just keep trying to keep busy. everybody busy yeah yeah all right I, sam what was your best dialogue i like both of them i'm glad you both went with megatron and starscream stuff love it but i went a different route i was hoping y'all would do it for me so i want something funny in all the mayhem so i went with page 34 it's when uh colonel wiki is talking to uh the CIA guy. Hang on a second. My phone's not working. So. Let me find it. So we're going to play a game, Agent Grant. 
Here's how it works. If I hear the words CIE clearance one more time, Sergeant uh, man in here is going to use his service revolver to knock your teeth down your throat. Colonel, it's fun. Really, you'll love it. And the guy keeps going, Colonel, and don't <laughs> and don't think he won't. He will. And the guy goes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and like a that few was pages a fun later, scene. You, yeah, then a few pages later, you see a CIE guy. He does have his his mouth and all that's all bruised up. The guy actually did pistol whip him. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was good. Um, that kind of made me think this thing was actually set in the uh, in the eighties because that's that's an eighties like you know action hero you know kind mm-hmm. of yeah. yeah. So I mean, oh. it feels like a whole bunch of this is straight out of the eighties, not just those cassette tapes coming out of Sandwave's chest. Yeah. Um, all right, so our next award is the best bots behaving badly, and I went with page fifty-three. Um, the first train attack and um that was like for me that was a scene where, like oh we're 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 not telling the cartoon style stories because before i mean nobody got hurt they just kind of punch each other like they usually fight on the desert so nothing they didn't do any property damage really yeah. now they're like and early on like when they're fighting like they blow up the bridge it's it's detached violence uh, mm-hmm. there's distance it's not up close but when he's busting out out of his train form and is, he's going after people like up close and personal. I mean that for me, that just makes it more uh, dark. Uh, there's, it feels like more of an evil act when you're that mm. close and you're doing that much personal, up, you know, up close damage. It just, it just made it feel darker, a, a different it, kind of story. Yeah. And the thing made, I think it made it feel darker. Cause I agree with you. I had uh, page 53 and 71. Cause of the train. That's how they bookend issue three. So that when you, they, they first show that train station, they show the kids playing and the dad hugging his boy and that train rolls up and he knows it's the end. So he just hugs his boy when that guy, when that Decepticon starts wiping him out. Like, man, that's, that's really dark. And like that, that's really surprised me. So it's 53 and 71. I was counting on you guys to pick the train because station, because I picked <laughs> something different. Uh, okay. And apparently I did really enjoy issue one. That's when most of the stuff was happening. Cause mine's <laughs> from uh, page 10. It's when they, uh, first uh roll up out of their uh dump trucks and stuff and they're standing there and all the people are confused and then they give them the phony speech you know creatures of earth we come in peace ours is a message of unity and goodwill and a message of kindness and then they start laughing and just start blowing everybody up like you see just bombs going off and bodies yeah. flying i'm like that's that's yeah that's not a cartoon story they're 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 murdering people right there in town oh, square yeah because I forgot about the bloody sneakers. Yeah, so I was going to say page 11. Bottom left yeah. there. Bloody sneakers. Bloody guy right out of his shoes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Um, I almost picked that for my best dialogue. Mm. That, that would have been a good one, too. Yeah. See, right, it's Sam, got good stuff in it. I, I, I said there was, but I also yeah. said like nothing happened after issue one. And Josh backed it by picking every single award from issue one. <laughs> but he was wrong, we, and you're wrong. We got another award. <laughs> <laughs> all right best nostalgic thing uh sam i'm glad you get to go first you seem to have the most nostalgia for this so i do i mean it's, it's pretty much everything all the all the decepticons whether they're on but my real pick is soundwave ejecting his cassettes <laughs> uh, we've talked about it several times and that is just straight up out of the 80s cartoon just the cassettes popping out and doing evil stuff i loved it that's my pick right. yeah that was good I, I went with uh, just the look of the Transformers. 
specifically their faces, because in the movies and some of the more recent stuff, they try to make their faces created out of components of a car, like they'll have exhaust pipes or wheels or something for eyes. They like try to like justify that that robot has a face. I like that they just went straight back and it's just a silver face. It's a, real, you know, they didn't try to like create created out of other parts they just drew a face on it and that's how they did it in the 80s and i thought it worked pretty well for this one i just take a look because the original cartoon and toys and all their head hid in their body so their head was a separate it wasn't actually part of the right whatever they was transforming from all right um mine's close i went with the sort of the art style in general but specifically the color mm-hmm. um i feel like the color did a lot of the heavy lifting to make this thing have that nostalgic vibe of the 80s cartoon um because i think the art is basically modern art i mean he's just drawing the transformers the way you would draw transformers now mm-hmm. but the the coloring style there's that weird sort of uh, like the texture it gives it feels like mm-hmm. an old school cartoon and then and the, the color work is, is carrying the load on that and uh, so i just i it, it it gives it the vibe of the cartoon that we loved when we were kids so i just I, I, yeah yeah i enjoyed that they straight stole the color palette from the 80s yeah but I mean, it's got this—I um, don't know—like a sandy look to it, like yeah, a it's greedy. But, yeah, yeah, that, that modern comics don't have. And yeah. It's yeah. So it, it was a, it was a great blending of modern art with the old school coloring. It just it made it work. I mean, it, they killed it. Yeah. All right, you want to cast this thing? No, but let's do it. Yep. All right. Uh, prepare to be wrong, fellas. My cast is strong. Um, Josh, who's your Megatron? I feel like my cast is strong. I felt that way before and been very wrong. So hopefully that's not this week. Megatron, I'm going with uh, Hugo Weaving. Ooh, that's a good one for real. That's not bad, except I'm going to tell you the right answer now. Mark Strong. That's not bad neither. Yeah. He does a good villain. He does do a good villain. He's got that really just sort of threatening, menacing voice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I okay. think that might be a tie. And Sam, you got something better for us? I I don't know. I've got another good option. Okay. I think I think they're all good so far. I want Mark Hamill. Now don't don't think Joker, Mark Hamill. Think of some of the nineties Spider Man cartoons where he done uh who did he do? He done the Taskmaster, he done uh the the Goblin. But I also want you to think about Avatar when he done Lord Zuko, the Fire Lord. He was the voice for that also. So he can do the menacing, authoritative voice. Was he the one getting the unobtainium? No. Wrong avatar? (laughs) (laughs) No. Mark Hamill's good. Mark Hamill's got range. Yeah. Yeah. He has a range. And like I said, I was thinking like with Lord Zuko, kind of with the little more sinister voice he can do. Uh, That's not bad. I still think I have the right answer. Uh, all right, uh, Colonel Witwicky. Um, I went in a slightly different direction. I did an ethnicity swap here. It's not Idris Elba. Oh, it's really? Den- it's Denzel Washington. That that could work. That could work, and it wouldn't be as ridiculous as this no. guy is. Are you time machining him? No, no. He's, he's got me older to do. You'll have his son that's in the military in his 20s. His so. kid looks 30. It's not my fault yeah. they didn't draw him old enough as, he, as old as he should have been. Yeah, that's true. He looks like he's five years older than his kid. Anyway, Denzel Washington's right answer. We can move on now if y'all want. No, we're not. I, think <laughs> I, got, I got a really good answer okay. for 
Tell us why name, you picked Carl Urban. I did not pick Carl Urban. <laughs> and actually, his name is Colonel Danny Whitwicky. So I picked Dennis Quaid. I can see him playing that type of person. You know, he, he plays a good authority. I can see him being I, a dad. I don't know. I saw him mail it in in G.I. Joe. I don't know if I want to see him mail it in. Say, he's, he's already done an 80s cartoon movie. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if we need to get him made. I'm hoping y'all forgot well. about that movie. Yeah, That was not a good Dennis Quaid performance. No. That I like best. Dennis Quaid. I think I when, when, when he's on, he's good. Uh, but I think he's got the Harrison Ford syndrome where sometimes he's just passion checks. <laughs> so he can hear some 40 when he wants to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, Jamie, I, I, I jumped on your train of thought, and I've done a ethnicity swap as well, and I did go with Idris Elba. I thought for sure we were going to have him. Uh, I'm not mad about it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't know that I need a lot of justification for that. No, not you for don't. you, I'm anyways. Good. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's it. I, I, th- I think I, I, I didn't want to go with him because he kind of already did that role in Pacific Rim. Mm. It felt like it was the exact same roles. I'm like, oh, I'll shift gears a little bit. Mm. I was, I was sure you would pick Carl Urban though. I thought about it, but you know, I, I don't pick him as often as y'all think I do. I really don't. <laughs> I pick him a few times, okay? Idris Elber way more than I ever thought about Carl Urban. But anyways, I well, that was like a, that was an early, early on the show. That was my gimmick, and so I just I leaned into it anyway. Yeah. All right, same. Who's your jazz? All right, so I was. Just for voice acting, and I really like this guy. It's Tom Hardy. We all know who he is, and he does a really good. Uh, I mean, he just got that voice. Ain't nothing special. Okay. That's he's not. He's not anything for. special. That's a good reason to pick him. No, I mean, like it's not like it's not like it's not like a <laughs> whiny voice for or jazz. nothing. Yeah, <laughs> actually, jazz plays a big part in it. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know. Just... It's, it's not. It's not like a he. He can whatever. I was just taking your words out of context for a cheap joke. I'm sorry. You were. No. He, <laughs> he can do voice acting, too, because he done the voice think. of Venom in the Venom movie. He recorded yeah. that as well. So, I mean, he can do the, the, the voice-only stuff. Yeah. I, was, I, I just wanted to – I didn't want something like it was crazy deep or crazy, you know. I, just, I wanted a, an average voice for jazz. Right. I, I considered him for a different character. Uh, we'll get into it. Uh, all right, Josh, who's jazz? Well, I went with Sam's train of thought. I didn't want like this deep, booming, gravelly voice, but I didn't want like the classic star screen kind of screechy voice. I wanted kind of. Oh, we're doing jazz. Yeah. Yeah, jazz. Okay. Well, I was just, that was an example. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going with uh, Alan Tudyk. See? That's not bad. I'm, ne- I'm never yeah. mad about Tudyk getting work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But here's the thing, though. I think this is just based on the way this thing flows that the, the hero of this thing by the end is going to be jazz. So I wanted a real leading man for for jazz. So that was Will Smith. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yep. But those were all good picks. I'm not, I can't I can't be as smug as I wanted to be. Yeah. All right, we're all uh, we're all doing great this week. Yeah, uh, I think I'm still winning. Um, you think because you of, uh, anyway, I got Mark Strong and Denzel Washington in my cast. Uh, good luck beating that. I know. Uh, Josh, who's your star screen? <laughs> Starscream, uh, he's been mentioned on the show already tonight. Uh, I'm going Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. Putting a little twist on the Joker kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could bad. do it. He really could. Yeah. Um, I had I thought long and hard about Tom Hardy here. Um, you think about some of those real over-the-top moments in, in Venom when he was sort of out of his mind a little bit. I thought, yeah, there might be some Starscream there. 
But I really wanted somebody doing that manipulation, the scheming. And mm. so who who would do that in a real kind of creepy voice manner? So I went with Cillian Murphy. Oh, yeah. I thought he would bring a lot of menace to those that, arguments with one. Megatron. Yeah. yeah. Dang. I feel Seymour like that's really the right answer. Yeah. That's a really good one. I like, yeah, I like Cillian Murphy. All right. So I was thinking the same thing. Somebody can do the menacing eerie, creepy voice kind of guy, William Defoe. He can do that. He like a smart but creepy at the same time. I always get an unhinged vibe from William. Defoe. I know. I, know. <laughs> I do too, but I, I was wanting that because that, that would add to the character. I think. I, I don't, I, but I, I see Starscream here is more of like a calculating type yeah. guy, and I just get more out of control for mm. <laughs> William Defoe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong with that. But it would be an interesting voice to have for Starscream if you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it would uh, be uh, memorable. Like, you would know yeah. when Starscream was talking. You would know yeah. that guy's got something going on. But yeah. but I I would have a lot of trouble believing though if that was the guy, the voice delivering the lines. Like that, there's a long game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he should do Carnage. <laughs> yeah, but he would be really good at Carnage. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, so Ironhide. Um, this was the very first uh, cast member I got. I think I hear his voice when I read Ironhide's lines. Uh, Sam Elliott. Dang, yeah. I like Sam Elliott. I just realized I might have done a boo-boo. Sam Elliott's really good, by the way. That's real yeah. solid. Yeah. All right. Okay, Sam, what was your boo-boo? I think I actually might have picked Ironhide because I'm now thinking back, back to the movie's I'm trying to who done his voice for I say mine. Oh, did you cheat and pick an actor that's already played him? I don't know. I'm afraid I might have. Do you want me to go while you're looking that up? I don't know. I went with, I was going to say it, John Goodman. I thought John Goodman would be really good. Uh, I don't think he does the voice. I think he's in those movies, isn't he? I said, I don't know. So I, I just, it just dawned on me just uh, as soon as I said that. No, I don't think right he's now. in those. I thought he was. No, he's not John in the first one. No, he's not in it. Good. I feel better about it. Oh, yeah, so John, so John right. Goodman, Ironhide. It's just one of those those voices. And I, I can see Ironhide. We will head same path. I just think Cowboy. I mean. Yeah. John so Goodman it, could do that, yeah. I feel bad for that horse. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I went with, you know, the heavy hitter guy that's you know, ready to rumble, ready to brawl. Uh, so I went Dwayne Johnson. That'd be a different take. I think he would be, yeah. he would add some fun to it. But when it comes time to be intense, I think he, he can he can bring it when he needs to. Yeah, I can smell what Iron House cooking, I guess. Um. <laughs> All right. All right, the uh, suicide mission, Wiki Jr., whose name I never caught. Uh, Sam, who did you have for him? I don't think they actually ever said his name. <laughs> actually it's just they just called him uh the specialist uh, I, well yeah anyway um yeah. so anyhow so i went with somebody because i picked dennis quaid for the dad i want somebody to kind of look like him but in the mid 20s 30s kind of guy that i don't think i've ever seen a real action movie zach efron and he is a good actor i don't care what you say okay i, I see him being a specialist it's yeah. not bad 
Yeah, yeah I'll buy that. Don't, you don't have to yeah. be so defensive. Zach Efron's come a long way in his yeah, roles. I know. I used him before. He's, he's a solid guy. I now. used him before, and Jamie kind of chopped me down real bad. He so would. Just, he he likes chopping people down. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, I, if you've I, got I a talent, I mean, if you've got a gift, you're supposed to use it. I mean, well, it's uh, not that. Uh, no, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so Zach Efron, I think that's really good because I think he kind of looks like the way they draw the the kid for the few panels for. All right, yeah. Josh. All right, uh, I'm going with Powerhouse Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, that's a good one. Kill it's not bad. It's it's the right not answer. Bad. I also picked it. So yeah, it's the right yeah. answer. Yeah, uh, he would do it. He would be great at that. And. Uh, I think really I think he kind of looks like he could be Denzel Washington's kid. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but it, it kind of look they look like they could be related, you know? Yeah, yeah. Especially right. like if you remember like early like um like nineties like uh, uh what was the one where he was in with like a very like young Russell Crowe? Was that Virtuosity? Virtuosity, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if they did a remake of that and had Michael B. Jordan play him, it would be confusing to me. Because like, like <laughs> when 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 Denzel was that young, I mean, I don't think I don't think Denzel now looks that much like it. Like very young Denzel looks a lot like Michael B. Jordan. Or Michael B. Jordan looks like a lot I like. Think, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I think he would be great at that character, that gung ho, tough, you know, special forces type guy. I mean, Michael B. Jordan would be awesome at that. Oh yeah, Killmonger. I mean, yeah, yeah, he killed that. Yeah, so you yeah. know. So we all come with a good cast this week. I feel yeah, like that was yeah, that was pretty good. I still won, but it was pretty good. I don't Not, know. Uh, you keep drinking. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, anyway, um, so our next uh, pick is we're beginning a Halloween extravaganza. Um, we're doing a graphic novel that is so big and has so much going on. We had to split it into two episodes. We're doing the long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have been talking about doing this, uh, I think maybe Three since years. before we even like actually pressed record, yeah. um, <laughs> on the very first episode. Um, but we're going to be doing the first, uh, seven issues, uh, next week. And then the final six, uh, the week after. And so we're going to, um, do Halloween right this year. Finally. Yeah. I've been pushing for it for a long time. Love this comment. Uh, Yep. You guys have been telling me how awesome this long Halloween is for a long time, and once we discussed doing it on the show, I've purposely not read it for like a year and a half now. I'm kind of I'm ready to read this thing. <laughs> You'll be surprised. Well, I, it's a different Batman story. Yeah, it's 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 good though. Uh, it is good. Yeah. What what whatever uh, personal flaws uh, Jeff Loeb may have, he writes a good Batman. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we're done here, fellas. Salute. Yep. See ya. Later. Goodbye, Portugal. I'll acknowledge those grandkids when I see a blood test.